reporters are biased, the Idaho Press Club are biased, all media, newspaper, radio. To be completely blunt here, Brian, and there are plans to expand indoctrination. That's right. Well, Idahoans are also concerned. Horror shot. That line would be moving a little bit farther west. I'm like crying. Nobody wants to Dark see. Dark money is influencing policy in our state. Well, that's not how this works. Well, hello there and welcome to Nowhere to Hide, where twice a week I call out uh, great examples of media bias on the part of the legacy media here in the great state of Idaho. And today well, we have a very special treat for you in that uh, we're going to be celebrating award-winning deception. I know it's uh, not every day that everybody will hand you a trophy for how good you are at, uh, at leading the public uh, down the primrose lane. But... That's what we're going to be looking at in this edition of Nowhere to Hide. So let's start with a headline from the uh, from the Idaho Capital Sun. Oh, look at this. Congratulations, guys. Idaho Capital Sun takes home 13 awards from Press Club Contest. Now, I'll admit I'm a little bit cynical, and maybe I'm one of those people who looks at, like, for instance, the Country Music Awards as the Hand Me a Trophy Award and so forth. But, uh, you know, if you want to understand the kind of click that uh, much of today's media has become, uh, just look at the White House press correspondence dinner. Oh, isn't it funny how we get together and we laugh about all the things that we're putting over on the common people. They're not representing the common people. They are there representing the voices of those in power. And I think that uh, you can make the case that that's pretty much what the press is doing, even at the state and sometimes even the local level. Basically, they are there to represent the status quo. So let's take a quick look at some of the different award-winning examples of reporting. And by the way, I, I sincerely do mean it's look, it's a competitive job and, and there's there's a lot of skill. But when you are writing news in such a way as not so much to present people with facts to where they can make up their mind, but more to keep them between the lines and make sure they don't question what people in power are telling them. Maybe you're not exactly uh, performing as the press should. Maybe you're just acting as narrative managers. And, uh, hey, it's cool you won awards for it, though. Let's let's take a look at uh, what they won. Editorial. Look at this. First place, Christina Lords from the Idaho Capital Sun. Idaho GOP only need to look back to note public debate is an American necessity that moves us forward. Now, if if... If members of the press actually believed this, you would think that they would actually cover their stories with at least some degree of fairness. And I'm going to give you some very tangible examples of where that fairness is lacking and where they, they just can't imagine that somebody might believe differently, especially if someone believes in things like, oh, I don't know, freedom, limited government. Speaking of looking back, you know, to know where, where public debate is an American necessity. OK, how about political reporting? Oh, here we go. Look at, look at the skillful use of the word extremists. Idaho extremists target judges, prosecutors, health workers, and doxing campaigns. This is Audrey Dutton and James Dawson reporting for the Idaho Capital Sun at Boise State Public Radio. I'm guessing this has something to do with the current drama going on between St. Luke's and their law firm and Ammon Bundy, who called them out, rightly, for a medical kidnapping that was attempted just over a year ago. By the way, the latest development in that case, uh, as I understand it, uh, Ammon has actually petitioned the federal court to step in because he says the state courts uh, seem to have it in for him. And, and basically, he's being buried under legal paperwork from this uh, this law firm that's representing St. Luke's. Um, I don't know. All I know is the, the, the press right now in Idaho is doing a very concerted job to try to make the words Ammon Bundy and violence synonymous. And I, I guess I, 
part of me just thinks they're just bloodthirsty, right? They just want to see this. But, you know, the, the Idaho statesman had a big thing. Well, leave it up to St. Louis. A hospital has to rein in Edmund Bundy from his reign of terror. Can you point to anything violent he has done? You can't. Now, that's not to say that there hasn't been violence associated with certain events that he was a part of. When the BLM came and laid siege to his family in 2014 over alleged unpaid fees for grazing cattle, they literally put together a military-type operation, 200-plus armed men shutting off large swaths of land and rustling their cattle and killing their cattle and ripping out infrastructure and trying to provoke them. That violence all came at the hands of government, by the way. Ammon was tased. There was violence there. But, yeah, he's not the one who initiated it. Likewise with the Malheur Wildlife Refuge. They, they love to call that, well, it was, a, it was an armed takeover, making it sound like, oh, they must have gone in kicking down doors and ordering people out at gunpoint. No, they went into this refuge when there was nobody there. It was New Year's Day. And it was largely unlocked. They found a lockbox with keys. They didn't have to break anything. They unlocked the place and said, okay, we're under adverse possession. We are taking possession of this wildlife refuge over violence and wrongdoing that the government had been doing to the Hammond family in Oregon. Now, was there some violence associated with it? Yes, yes. Some frightened state troopers and uh, some truly evil members of the FBI's uh, hostage roasting team um, killed Lavoy Finicum. Ammon was not a part of the violence. He did not order the violence. He did not instigate the violence. But again, they want his name associated with it. And now we're hearing this term being used over and over. Well, you know, St. Luke's is having to change everything because there's violence and his followers are violent. And so, no, nope. The violence that's being done is being done under the color of law. And, and that's what makes it so ironic. But the press is, is eating it up. And boy, they're just, is anything happening? Is anything happening? Have the police killed Ammon yet? I honestly believe that there's some who want to see this. And that's, that's part of the uh, award-winning deception that I guess they, they feel like they're being paid for. Let's take a look at some other award-winning examples of their, uh, of, of their journalism. First place to Kelsey Mosley Morris, Idaho Capital Sun. Lobbying or campaigning, Idaho political organizations did both before the primary election. Now, I'm sure she's not concerned with those that were lobbying for things like, oh, I don't know, extremely sexualized and graphic books for kids in the libraries. No, that's cool. Or maybe, you know, uh, drag shows for kids. Yeah, that's got to be good too. But if you're lobbying for greater freedom, lower taxes, keeping age-appropriate materials in the hands of kids as opposed to introducing really sexualized graphic stuff to them, well, that's uh, that's the kind of lobbying we just can't have. That's That's not who we are, I'm sure they would say. How about this one? I love this. Audrey Dutton, first place for health and medical reporting. How many Idahoans have long COVID? Is there really even such a thing? You know, you could count on the Idaho press corps to absolutely uphold the COVID narrative to the bitter end. And they were actually, they were very much going after people. Dr. Ryan Cole, for example, for challenging things which were taken as well. That's terrible misinformation and people are going to die are now reluctantly being admitted by people like Anthony Fauci. What's that about masks, Dr. Fauci? What did you say? Oh, maybe on the margins they work, you know, maybe 10%. So 90% of the time, masks really don't work. That would explain a lot of the flip-flopping that he did back and forth. But again, why wasn't the press asking these questions? Why weren't they at least providing somewhat of an adversarial voice saying, are we sure about this? Do we really need to shut down the economy, tell people they can't open their business, tell people they can't gather for family get-togethers or meet in church? 
Because looking back, it's very clear, that was all a huge mistake. But the press carried water for the people who were calling the shots and encouraging that to happen. So, you know, congratulations on your award, but if you're trying to maintain that, oh, it was all necessary and good, I'm sorry, that's that's very deceptive. How about religion? Oh, look at this smear piece on the uh, Idaho family's uh, Idaho's uh, family policy center. It's Christ or chaos. They're going to report on anything religious. It's going to be only in the most shocking terms. So congratulations, Kelsey Mosley Morris and the Idaho Capital Sun. And, uh, oh, Audrey Dutton getting a few licks in here for feminism. They're women, they're LDS, and they're speaking their minds on politics. All right. That'll teach the patriarchy, won't it? <laughs> okay, let's take a look at a few headlines here that uh, further illustrate the, the kind of hysteria and deceptive reporting. If you read this after Idaho's strict abortion ban, OBGYN stage a quick exodus. Well, that would kind of lead you to the impression that, my goodness, they're, they're just they're fleeing the state in great numbers because Idaho is so restrictive on abortion. But is that really the case? Well, apparently, uh, Representative Lauren Neochia is jumping on the bandwagon. Look at this. Directors of women's health care services at Idaho hospitals are bracing for what's next. 75 of 117 Idaho OBGYNs recently surveyed by the Idaho Coalition for Safe Reproductive Health Care, that would be a pro-abortion group, said they were considering leaving the state. So what does that really mean? Well, let's leave it to uh, Senator Scott Herndon to provide a little bit of context. He says, well, they must have all been committing misdemeanors for the past 20 years by not reporting any abortions they performed. 41 of 44 counties show no abortions over 20 years. It's a misdemeanor crime not to report, or are they not actually doing abortions? Now, look, the sad reality is there, there are times where sometimes a, a there is going to be a necessity for a medically induced abortion. Like literally the, the life of the mother is in jeopardy or in the case of a stillbirth or, you know, a, a, a fetus dies and has to be removed through, you know, a DNC. It's these, these are medical decisions best left to, uh, to women and their doctors. However, most of what we're talking about when we hear that warm, fluffy euphemism, reproductive health care and, and abortion health care is simply Someone is pregnant through, I, I assume, you know, they, they were engaging in sexual activity. I don't know if they're, if the press is promoting that immaculate conception is somehow playing a role here, but um, someone doesn't want to face the consequences of their own actions. Well, what about cases of rape and incest? Well, I'm sure they do happen, but I would question at, at what percentage of the elective abortions that are performed in this country do you find rape and incest being the, the primary reason? It's, it's mostly out of convenience, and that's what makes it so wicked. That's what makes it an absolutely evil thing. This is inconvenience. I, didn't, I, want, I don't want to be inconvenienced. My behavior, which I could have chosen not to engage in, has resulted in something that is going to tie me down or cause me to have to, uh, to live my life differently because of the responsibility associated with another life. And so I have to kill it to stop it from growing. I don't know why we can't be honest about it. You know, just call it what it is, but there it is. Now, of course, there were some people who fired back. Emily Walton, thank you for, for your input here. Huh, do you really think these doctors are spread evenly through all 44 counties? Scott Herndon responds, you mean there are no doctors or hospitals in any of the, any of the 41 counties? Wow, only Ada County, Twin Falls County, and Valley County since 2015 has any doctors or hospitals? Who knew? I guess every time I drove past Kootenai Health or Bonner General the last 20 years, all a mirage. I guess the, the bottom line here is if it has to do with, with abortion, that is one of the sacred cows of the political left. 
at Idaho uh, being a pretty conservative state, meaning pretty well steeped in traditional values, including respect for innocent life, has established its laws. And since the uh, overturning of Roe v. Wade has now the opportunity to exercise and to execute those laws for the protection of innocent life. Now, this isn't stopping anybody from going somewhere else to do it. There are some provisions that would prevent people from, for instance, taking a minor who might be pregnant across state lines or taking them somewhere else without their parents' permission in order to, you know, to obtain an abortion. But then again, we have to ask, why would they be doing it without the parents' permission? What's uh, what's going on there? So let's move on. Here's another one. Audrey Dutton, award-winning Audrey Dutton, says the letter from Idaho Governor Brad Little to his top state health official directs him to take all appropriate steps to keep Medicaid from paying for transgender care for Idahoans. That includes hormone treatments for trans adults. Now, it really comes down to this is not a matter of, well, let's get on the bandwagon and let's talk about how wrong this whole trans ideology is. We can set that aside for a moment and just go right to, is this really a proper thing for government to be doing in the first place? Is it government's responsibility? Meaning, is it right for the government to use money taken from the taxpayers to pay for adults, adult trans people's uh, hormone treatments or otherwise uh, for people who want to uh, seek transsexual health care? I think that the only correct answer is no, it's not. That doesn't mean that they can't do it. It doesn't mean that, well, somehow they're banning it if the taxpayers aren't paying for it. If you want to do it and you're an adult, hey, knock yourself out. Sincerely, I hope you find happiness. I hope you find peace. Statistically, things don't look real good, even for those who do undergo the surgical uh, treatments or the hormone treatments. But, you know, if, if that's what you want to do as an adult and you want to use your own money, by all means, do it. But don't be expecting the taxpayers to to fund this. And this this is why, you know, the the pearl clutching. Oh, can you believe the governor? He's doing conservative things. Well, you know, he he did run as a conservative. And and by the way, this also extends to some concerns over, you know, the the pushing of of this uh, transgender stuff on kids. Why is it that uh, that uh, you know, people, the press, especially in Idaho, have been so vehement about how dare the the legislature pass laws like like uh, the uh, what was it, SB 71, that uh, outlaws surgical mutilation or the uh, hormone puberty blockers being administered to minors. Well, that's not even a problem, Jim Jones, I'm sure it would tell us. Well, let's take a look at what's happening elsewhere. In fact, I thought this was interesting. Look at the group that posted this on Twitter, Gays Against Groomers. Even within the LGBT community, there are people who are responsible going, hey, we are not on board for mutilating kids. And we're not on board with, you know, doing drag shows in front of kids. So here's the breaking story. Three medical schools in North Carolina are now diagnosing toddlers who play with stereotypical opposite gender, to- opposite gender toys as having gender dysphoria and are transitioning them. Toddlers. Yes, you read that correctly. If a two-year-old girl picks up a truck instead of a Barbie, that is proof to these activist doctors that she's actually supposed to be a boy. Now, are we supposed to wait until that's happening in Idaho? See, we've, we've nipped it in the bud and said, doctors, no. If they are under 18, no, we're not going to go there. This is an article from Ed First, North Carolina. Uh, transgender toddlers treated at Duke, UNC, and ECU. Top medical schools in the state are now transitioning toddlers and training future primary care doctors on how to engage in the experimental treatment. You caught that part about it's experimental? 
as in they're, they're, they're having to make it up as they go. I believe this goes back to a, a healthcare provider that uh, we shined the spotlight on here a couple of months ago who had to leave healthcare, or at least this aspect of healthcare, because she recognized what we're doing is actually harming these kids with gender dysphoria. And here's a little graphic to kind of help illustrate. Duke Health, these are the ages for starting gender transitions. Two years old. UNC Health, three years old. ECU Health, four years old. Now again, you can pretend, well, it's not happening here, so therefore it isn't a problem. Have you looked at the number of uh, gender-affirming care clinics that have sprung up in the, in the last 10 years? You might be surprised. And you might even ask yourself, well, why is that? Is it a matter of, well, we finally, the science caught up and we discovered that, uh, my gosh, nearly every kid is, is uh, you know, in some kind of uh, gender transition or gender dysphoria. No, it's because it's a very high-dollar, money-making kind of, uh, of procedure. I mean, they have multiple, multiple repeat visits and, of course, uh, surgeries and treatments and follow-ups. It's a cash cow. And I know, well, that sounds kind of cynical, Brian. Maybe you're suggesting that these, these uh, doctors or these healthcare providers are just in it for the money. Yeah, it does kind of sound like I'm suggesting that, doesn't it? I wonder why. Why, why would we think such a thing? Look at the number of these types of clinics that existed even as far back as just 2015 versus today in just you know, six, seven, eight years. It's a growth industry. And it's permanently mutilating kids. It's not a good thing. So when it's called out as wicked, you know, of course, you're an extremist to think that. But uh, the press has been running interference. Oh, it's just, you know, it's it's just such a good thing. And it's just helping these kids. No, it's it's really not. Oh, and speaking of helping the kids. Why, you know, it's time they were taught, you know, the facts about sex. Okay. Well, Anna Miller from the Idaho Freedom Foundation just posted this today. This is from the Bellevue Elementary School in Blaine County School District. It's the book, It's Perfectly Normal. This is a book that teaches kids about masturbation, gay sex, and abortion. Elementary school kids. This is what they're offering your kids to read at an elementary school. I believe we were told, well, that kind of stuff doesn't happen in Idaho. But apparently it does. So why don't we hear more about it? Gee, I don't know. Well, let's turn to the award-winning members of the press and see. Why Why don't we hear more about this? I see. There's, there's a narrative that must be maintained. So you're going to have to learn about it from alternative sources. You know, the, the press just can't seem to make the connection. You know, it's this is not a matter of people, boy, I sure do hate them gays and I sure do hate them transgenders and I just wish there was some way I could take out all that anger and frustration I'm feeling. That's not the case. In fact, if, if you really want to get down to it, most people are very content to let people alone, which really is the only right that any of us has an absolute claim. Just leave me alone. Let me live my life in peace, which we would be more than happy to do. But when you bring kids into the equation, you are crossing a line and you're going to be told no. And if you don't listen to being told no, you're going to be stopped. Be grateful that it's by legal means at this point. Because if if you continue to flout the law, I mean, the, I, I've warned about this before. I, I'm not saying it's a good thing, but the more people see how willing some of these activists are to, to go after kids, you're going to see some very epic snapback, and it is going to be the ugliest thing imaginable. And it's going to be because they wouldn't leave the kids alone. It's not because everybody's just this latent racist monster just, you know, aching to lash out. 
Okay, here's another good example of, uh, you know, the, the press. By the way, I will give credit to KTVB for at least reporting, you know, that the, there is another side to this. Uh, when it comes to uh, this, this coalition that's trying to change and open Idaho's primary elections, they, they did give Dorothy Moon, who's the Republican Party chair, a pretty fair shake in this article. Method favors Democrats. Idaho GOP chair opposes coalition to change Idaho voting method. Republican chair Dorothy Moon blasts plan by new coalition formed to make all primary elections open and to introduce ranked choice voting. Now, we covered this in the last edition of Nowhere to Hide, but... Uh, I think you should hear what Dorothy Moon is saying about this. The article says a new coalition wants to change the way Idahoans vote in Idaho's primary elections. And as anticipated, <laughs> we knew it. The idea is receiving pushback from Republican lawmakers and Idaho GOP leaders. On Thursday, Republican Party of Idaho chairwoman Dorothy Moon responded to the initiative, claiming that the idea imports leftist ideas from Oakland or Brooklyn. If she had just stopped with leftist ideas, I think it still would be absolutely factually correct. The Idahoans for Open Primaries Coalition wants to change the way Idaho votes for its state representatives by expanding Idaho primaries to include more than two candidates via a voting method called instant runoff voting, also known as ranked choice voting. Critics of the idea argue that IRV and open primaries will convolute the process and favor Democrats, and it will. Why? Because it waters down everybody's vote. Moon said, now a leftist group is bringing this initiative in to repeal one person, one vote, and replace it with a complicated scheme of ranked multi-voting where voters choose multiple candidates and their votes are tabulated in a hidden process. Well, that does sound a little bit concerning. Even Governors Jerry Brown from California and also Gavin Newsom called this kind of voting untrustworthy, expensive, and overly complex. Every jurisdiction that has adopted this system has seen voting participation plummet. Idaho's system works without importing leftist ideas from Oakland or Brooklyn. Now, there are other places, too, it could come from, but, but she's not wrong. She says Alaska votes this way, and just last week, the Alaska Supreme Court found that significant errors in the hidden tabulation system caused the wrong candidates to ad advance to the second and third rounds of counting. I actually have a couple of friends in Alaska who are not too happy about this whole voting system, and, and, and with good reason. It complicates things unnecessarily, and it, it waters down the, the party's power. And look, I, I know this is probably a, a – this is not a popular thing to suggest. But really, political parties exist for the purpose of getting people elected. So if you want to say, well, it's all about political power, Brian, it is. You're right. And refusal to face facts is, is not going to cut, cut it here. It's about getting people elected. But the bigger question is – when we get these people elected, what are they going to do with that political power? Are they going to use it within the constraints of the proper role of government, which is to protect your God-given rights, to make sure that we have you know, domestic tranquility, to basically just provide for peace and for justice to be observed, contracts to be enforced, and so forth, without micromanaging every single aspect of our lives? It's in how that political power is going to be exercised, and that's where we have to be extremely careful. Okay, back to the KTVB article. According to coalition campaign manager Ashley Prince, the ballot initiative aims to give Idahoans the freedom to vote in open, nonpartisan primary elections, giving all Idaho voters a choice. And again, I would refer you to the 17th Amendment, which was sold to the American public under the very same, this will give everybody a choice. But what it did was it drove a, heart, drove a stake through the heart of states' rights in the process. 
and it, it watered down people's votes. Now you're lost in this sea of votes as opposed to your state actually having decent representation under the seven under the uh, the original construction of the Constitution in which state legislatures appointed senators. Okay, the same kind of thing is going to happen here. You just flood the voting pool with a bunch of people, many of whom are there either to game the system or who are just simply there to, to vote uh, whatever way they're told. Okay, I think the parties really need to have the ability to, to vet those who are participating in their primary. The coalition statement says the coalition is critical of Idaho's closed Republican primary, which blocks independent voters from participating in elections unless they join a political party. Now, that one kind of hits home for me because I'm I'm a very independent voter. I do end up at registering Republican for the purpose of participating in primaries like the Republican primary. And yeah, there's a part of me that's like, man, I really just wish I didn't have to do that because I don't want to identify just as, well, I'm a Republican and therefore, you know, everything I do has got to be Republican. But I understand that's where the power is right now. This is where using my influence requires me to participate in that primary. So that's why I do it. Well, are you selling out your values? Not necessarily. I'm trying to elect Republicans who actually understand the proper role of government, and that's where I'm most likely to find them. Now, there are other parties that have their primaries as well, but, you know, it's, it's the Republican Party's primary. If, it, if it's their party that's, that's making the decisions about how their primaries are being run, so be it. And if you don't like it, there are other options. The Democrats have a wide-open primary. I'm sure the Libertarian Party would welcome you or the Constitution Party or all any of the other ones, the Green Party. Who knows? There are plenty of parties out there. But if you want to go where the political power actually resides, that's a decision you may have to make. And if you register as a Republican, see what they want is people uh, – what the Republican Party doesn't want is people who will just go and show up at the, at the Republican primary, vote a certain way, and then change their registration so that they can vote against it in the, in the general election. That's gaming the system. Not a very good idea. All right. Elsewhere. Let's talk about Kate's Capital Corner. This is uh, this was uh, kind of a, a a fun little exercise in diversity, inclusion, and equity. And uh, is it inclusion? I think that I think I've got the right thing. But this is Kate Jacobson, and and she's writing for Boise Weekly. She was complaining about uh, the decision made by the uh, I guess it was uh, the the higher the board of higher education saying okay we're not gonna we're not gonna use these diversity equity and inclusion uh, statements anymore. So programs dedicated to promoting diversity, equity, and inclusion at all at universities has been on the rise for several years. In fact, in early 2022, LinkedIn ranked diversity and inclusion manager as the second fastest growing job in the U.S. over the past five years. Ha, go figure. But for every program or position it created, it seems like there's a conservative group ready to get rid of one. <laughs> I wonder why. An article published by the Idaho Freedom Foundation regarding this issue reads, the purpose of diversity statements is to disadvantage or weed out dissidents. Any candidate in favor of a free society and against the ide ideological pursuits of the university. Now, this is the classic leftist line, despite there being no evidence that these requirements harm prospective employees, or at least no evidence that we're willing to acknowledge or even that they're extensively used at Idaho's universities, the Idaho State Board of Education recently sided with the Idaho Freedom Foundation. The Idaho Freedom Foundation, a, quote, conservative think tank, has for many months been criticizing public universities for requiring diversity statements from potential candidates. 
Diversity statements are written explanations of someone's experience, plans, or commitments to advancing equity and inclusion in the workplace. It's, it's a purity test. Okay, this is how well will you regurgitate what we expect you to say back to us? How well will you demonstrate that you believe what you are required to believe? Now, she says they're most commonly required for those applying to jobs in education to help ensure all staff foster a positive, equitable learning environment for every student. Yes, one that rigidly holds to whatever left-wing dogma is in fashion at the moment. On April 25th, the board unanimously approved a resolution that prohibits Idaho's four-year institutions, public institutions, that is, from requiring or even requesting written diversity statements from candidates applying for employment. The resolution was discussed for only a matter of minutes. Well, that's good. That means it was probably simple and straightforward, and they could see, yep, this is a good idea. Hiring decisions should be made based on merit and the qualifications of the candidates. That was State uh, State Board President Kurt Leibach in a press release. Requiring written statements can complicate matters and take the focus off the qualifications of individual candidates. Absolutely. And then you start looking at things like, well, uh, you know, where do they fit on the whole intersectionality thing? What's their skin color? What's their gender preference? You know, all of this kind of stuff. But having the knowledge and experience to promote diversity and inclusion, she says, is a merit in and of itself, and there were no reasons given as to why it cannot be taken into consideration alongside the rest of the candidate's qualifications. Well, I think those were pretty good reasons that, uh, you know, the board president just gave. It takes the focus away from the actual merit, what the person can and should be able to do, and puts it on, on other intangibles that, that may not be as important as can they do the job or not. The resolution goes into effect immediately. It impacts Boise State University, University of Idaho, Idaho State University, and Lewis Clark State College. By the way, I loved the, the tweet from the Idaho Freedom Foundation. Another day, another leftist reporter who can't stand that IFF is fighting for freedom. Having the knowledge and experience to promote diversity and inclusion is a merit in and of itself. Sure it is. <laughs> Maybe in a world where, uh, you know, award-winning deception is the only source of information available to people. Thankfully, we do have alternatives. And, uh, you know, I, I'm very grateful that at least as, as far as I understand, um, the, the trust in, in mainstream journalism is really sinking lower and lower all the time. Last I saw it was something like 11% of the public still say that, yeah, we trust the media to tell us things straight. That's a huge percentage that doesn't, though. And I'm not telling you, that, therefore, you should only listen to me or you should only listen to the Idaho Freedom Foundation or, you know, any any other particular pl person or, or uh, platform. I'm just saying there are alternatives out there. And thank goodness, because I think we need it now more than ever. I'm Brian Hyde, and this is Nowhere to Hide. Are biased, the Idaho Press Club are biased, all media, newspaper, radio. To be completely blunt here, Brian, and there are plans to expand indoctrination. That's right. Well, Idahoans are also concerned. Horror shot. That line would be moving a little bit farther west. I'm like crying. Nobody wants to Dark see. Dark money is influencing policy in our state. Well, that's not how this works.